0: Here we are for another episode on That Entrepreneur Show, and we are stopping in Hawaii for the first time, combining his financial experience with major firms. This Forbes 30 Under 30 recipient has founded three companies. His current venture, and just the last half year, Moku Foods, has already been getting in the press. They were already featured as the top mushroom jerky in Bon Appetit. With a lean team and the daily grind being so intense, Matt Feldman is displaying his leadership skills day in and day out. Before we hear his journey, we are going to learn how he podcasts. Matt, which platform do you stream your shows through? I mostly use Shopify for podcasts. Nice, nice. When in the day
1: do you find yourself listening to your shows? Usually when I have tasks that don't involve too much thinking or if I'm driving or working out. You hear that a lot on this
0: show. Entrepreneurs multitasking, making the most of their time. Podcasting should be no different. So you're in the headphones usually?
1: Yeah, headphones or in the car. I'll have it in the speaker. Of course. Well, thank you for sharing that and welcome back to
0: That Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Vincent A. Lancy. You can learn more about me at Vincent A. on all social media, YouTube, or my website is vincentalancey.com. If it is your first time sitting down with us, each week since December 2019, I have interviewed the founder of a company or brand to share what has worked well for them, what they needed to improve on, and all of their learning lessons along the way right here on this show Of course, there are also bonus episodes for you to enjoy, including the Gasparilla Overload series and the Rewind the Clock sets where I bring back past guests. Each guest will take you through their story, and you never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. I, for one, am excited to learn about all three companies, what went into them, and what's next. This current company is Moku Foods. Jerky is great but its environmental footprint isn't. So he created one that captures the texture and flavor of our go-to snack with the power of plants. Whether you're a full vegan or just dabble with meatless Mondays, just one bag is a step in the right direction. Now his second company, this guy's a hustler, Undorm was new in a field. The company created an easier way for students in New York City to find affordable and convenient apartments. And if people aren't familiar with New York City real estate, it is very, very high. So I'm sure this had a great service, generated over 500 unique leads and closed 32 rental transactions from June to August, expanded the company to multiple cities soon enough nationwide, where they partnered with local brokerages. And now this third company, Cinco Terrace Specialty Coffee, where he distributed organic and fair trade coffee beans to mobile food vendors and restaurants. In the greater New York City metropolitan area. As you can tell, there are learning lessons everywhere from this guy, so let's bring him on. Matt Feldman. Matt, thank you so much for joining our show.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Vincent. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Of course. Would you mind introducing yourself a little more on the personal side to our audience before we dive into business talk?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Honolulu, Hawaii, from an early age, I, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Wanted to own my own business. I my parents told me that you know when I was a kid, I would tell them that all the time. Um, but I was always very conscious about what I put in my body and and also about the choices I made and how it impacted the earth. Um, so I knew that I wanted to create a business that, you know, not only would make money but would be good for people and and the earth. Um, I think growing up on an island, we're I think more susceptible to you know caring about our actions just because we have limited resources and you can't litter you know you have to recycle because your actions you know um have a loud effect on on the people and the environment around us so i was always very conscious of my decisions and how they impacted the island and and the earth um so it kind of led into my you know entrepreneur journey and starting moku foods about you know 25 years later
0: I can. I was gonna say, as I was reading your bio, I could tell the type of guy you were, even with your coffee distribution using organic and fair trade coffee beans. I think that's awesome. Yeah. You always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You were telling mom and dad, "I want to do my, I want to have my own business. I want to do it." What was that turning point when it was time to pick a job or start a company that made you put entrepreneurship in the front seat?
1: Yeah, you know, I I wanted to be one of those people that right out of college. I would start a company or even in college, start a company and never have to work for a company. But I learned, I think my senior year of college, that starting a company is expensive. You need to have capital to fund it or else, you know, it won't go anywhere. So as soon as I kind of planted that in my head, I decided to get a job after college. One, to save up money and two, to learn some skills before starting a company. And while I had started a couple of companies in college, none had really scaled to the point where, you know, I would, wouldn't have to work ever again. Um, both were somewhat successful, but out of college, I decided to get a job in the tech industry. So I moved from New York City to the Bay Area and worked in tech for four years. But it was in my third year when I was in and, and each of those years, I was kind of just waiting for an opportunity, something that just clicked in my head that would. Allowed me to quit and start something. And I was saving up money during it. Um, and it was in 2018, I, I, you know, personally went vegan and had a pretty big transformation um, after watching a couple of documentaries on Netflix. And it was then when I was looking for, you know, a snack, you know, a savory alternative, and I was intolerant to both gluten and soy. And, you know, I was learning a lot about mushrooms at the time. And I was remember walking through Whole Foods and I was like, why is there no vegan jerkies? There's like one processed soy jerky. So like a light bulb went off and I was like mushroom jerky. Like, why isn't anyone doing this? I think there was one other company doing it, but it wasn't like great to me. So from there, I, I started, you know, went to the store, bought some portobello mushrooms, looked up a marinade recipe, bought a dehydrator, started making mushroom jerky, sampled it to family and friends. Sold it at some pop-ups, some local stores in San Francisco, all kind of under the table and got enough validation to, you know, pursue it. And that was when I just didn't stop looking forward, you know, just kept well, you, I
0: like what there, you saw a need and you filled it. That is something that seems to be bulletproof. If you want to find an idea and you're thinking of an idea going to work, it may not. It will have a high likelihood of succeeding if there's a need for it. If people are going to want it right now, I'm putting all my focus on mental health. I know people need it. I know people need to learn how to improve their mental health. You're doing a great service there, especially for people who are intolerant to ingredients, are vegans. There is no alternative. You created it, but you are a seasoned entrepreneur and I will give you that. You are a veteran, multiple companies, a lot of experiences to learn from. What are the hardest
1: parts of being on your own? I think being a solo founder, it's a very lonely, lonely mm-hmm. job or role. Um, you care most about the business out of anyone. Um, you don't have someone that you can bounce ideas off of or collaborate with in the sense that they will care as much as you and give you you know, the same energy that you give. Um, and you have to make the tough decisions that you know, investors, board members, team members might not agree with. Uh, so it's tough. And every day is a challenge. There's no doubt about it, especially in the food industry. Everything goes wrong before it goes right. Um, I think it's Murphy's Law. Like if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. Something like that. It's so true. Like the first person I reached out to who is the the founder of Forager Foods on uh, LinkedIn when I was first starting He told me that and I was just like what like your business seems so legit like what could possibly go wrong everything looks so buttoned up but it's on the back end there's things going wrong every day so just being able to deal with the the struggles um of running a business and things going wrong and and having a positive attitude and putting in good energy it's 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 not easy
0: the attitude is everything the mindset is everything because most days are going to go wrong my day Mm -hmm. even started with a no call no show at nine o'clock for a recording there's always schedule change things are always working out this episode was actually delayed too as an entrepreneur you have to be willing to be by yourself and the loneliness is a real thing i can resonate there of late it's been creeping on more and more because i'm Been in it longer and longer now in entrepreneurship, but great tools like FaceTime and this podcast series give me a great opportunity to connect with somebody a couple times throughout the day. Episode's been on fire, man, so far. Thank you. Now we're going to ask you to help out our audience by giving them your greatest lesson learned across all of your lessons learned throughout entrepreneurship.
1: Okay, so the biggest lesson, something I I would not do again is start a company by myself. And there's three reasons for it. One, capital. You know, if you're starting it by yourself, you're limited to the only capital that you have saved up. Secondly, the mental health aspect. When you have other people sharing the load and the good days and the bad days, it's just easier to balance because when you have a really bad day, all of that falls on your shoulders. There's no one else to take that load on. When you have one or two other people to share that with, it's just... Nice knowing that other people are, are feeling that same struggle that you are. And then third, actually there's four, but third. Hey man, give it up. Keep going. The speed to market and being able to get things done with multiple people and bringing other people on that maybe can do things that you're might, you might not be good at or want to do. You can like triple or quadruple the, the time or the, um, you know, the, the speed to market. Um, there's just so much more you can get done with multiple people. Yeah, you won't have as much equity, but that's okay. If your business makes it at the end of the day, you're going to get paid anyway. Yeah. Um, and then for investors, pe- investors like seeing multiple founders. Like why would they, if they're going to invest in a company, It's it just makes more sense to invest in a company that has multiple founders because there's more getting done. There's more expertise around the table. So I think, I don't think it makes sense to rush into a co-founder. And there are, instances where it makes sense to start a business by yourself. And it could be very uh, difficult, you know, having a bad co-founder and going through the whole journey of firing them and all that. But most times it makes sense to hire, a co- bring on a co-founder. Um, it makes your life much more simple and you don't know everything. And sometimes you're wrong and having someone to bounce ideas off of or tell you that you're wrong is, is good and healthy. So that's my biggest lesson. Excellent points right there. I can resonate with a lot of it, obviously, as a
0: solopreneur, the money is always strapping you down. You always have to value every dollar. And that's where it even comes to your lifestyle, where once I finally went and all into entrepreneurship about four years ago... I'm in bed by eight or nine. I'm no extra funds being spent on things. Everything's my business. This is what it is. But something that played a big role in some early success was the value of mentors, like you touched on, coaches, having some people in your corner. I also want to touch on that. And I've said this before, having different mentors and coaches is a good thing. You want to specialize in certain areas. I use the analogy of you wouldn't necessarily go to me if you didn't know anything about me as just an author for advice on a car or advice in another area because that's not my field. So I really recommend you to bounce ideas off someone because what sounds great to you may not sound so great to everybody else. And that's been for me, not just talking to anybody. Make it happen. But to make it happen, we're going to keep learning from our guests today. If you could sit down and learn from any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who are you sitting down with?
1: Yeah, I really like uh, this guy, Scott Harrison. He's he's more of a social entrepreneur, but he started um, a nonprofit called Charity Water. And just like learning about how he's saved so many people's lives with um, the mission to serve people fresh water around the world. Um, you know, that really caught my eye and I have so much respect for someone like him. So there's so many entrepreneurs making money and doing things that are helping make something more simple or efficient. But I think my respect goes to the ones that are actually like changing the world and saving people's lives and making life easier for people um, to survive. Let's delve deeper. If you could pick a meeting spot for this meeting to go down, where are you meeting? Probably honestly, like a hiker on the beach, like outside somewhere, just walking (laughs) or keeping it simple. But in
0: the blood flowing, getting the brain yeah.
1: percolating
0: some thoughts, we know today's guest is a big time entrepreneur, very
1: ambitious. What's next for you, man? For me, like if I'm only focused on one thing, I kind of just go crazy because I put all my energy into that and I, I do my best to have a, a good work life balance. Um, but even in the work field, I do better on my projects. And my businesses when I'm doing multiple things. So um, I'm, I like to advise other projects, other entrepreneurs, businesses um, on their projects and have, you know, some, you know, work or, or energy that takes place there. Um, and just continuing to do that. I think it helps them and also helps me with my mental health, being able to kind of shift into another business so that you're not only focused on one thing, I think helps both. So continuing to advise, I think after Moku, um, whenever that is, I would probably want to focus on learning just some new skills, you know, like just could be learning the guitar could be, you know, going deeper in my spiritual practice and just taking time for myself to improve as a person and and learn some new things. Cause it's, I have a hard time like learning, uh, you know, reading, I listen to podcasts, but you know, maybe taking the time to read more books um, before I do like the next big thing. So um, that'll probably be like the next chapter in my life after this one is just like improving uh, my skill set as a person. I love that. Self improvement's big. I now have been trying to hold
0: myself more accountable for reading because I'm always writing. I have 20 minutes a day, I plan out each day. Each by the hour, I write it out on my whiteboard every day before bed. I'm writing down what I have to do. Well, I'm all over the place. If not, I don't check my emails before yeah. I get it done. And it helps me become efficient because as a solopreneur, we're not in a company. I should say you're an expert at a few skills as a you know in a company. You have to really be okay, at least at everything. So for yeah. me, some books, just self-improvement books. I wish I started earlier as well. I have a whole bookshelf full of books for when the entrepreneurial grind does put a hold. I'm looking forward to that relaxation, but there's yeah. never enough hours in the day. So right now I'm trying to just do my part, getting 20 minutes a day in. Yeah. And right now we're gonna get some more value. Believe it or not, there's more in store from today's guest, and it's from our spotlight story. If it's your first show with us, at the end of each show, my guest and I go through another entrepreneur's journey so we can dissect it together, another perspective on entrepreneurship. For today's story, we will look into Pierre O'Midier, and this is the eBay founder who revolutionized everything without trying to. He just wanted to impress his girlfriend. Here's a quote to start about how this company started in 1995. I never had it in mind that I would start a company one day and it would really be successful. I've just been motivated by working on interesting technology. As a teen, he was into computers and would sneak out of gym class to play with high school computers. And get this, instead of punishing him for ditching the class, the principal actually hired him to write a computer program to print catalog cards for the school library at $6 an hour. It wasn't much, but it was the beginning. And think 1995, if you had a skill set in computers or technology, that was on your resume. Typing was on a skill set as a strength on your resume. I remember back then. His entrepreneurship made him some money while working on a bachelor's degree in computer science at Tufts University, where he wrote a program, actually, to help Apple Macintosh programmers manage memory. In 1991, him and three friends founded a company to write programs for a pen company, a pen computing market. As a lark, he set up an early e-commerce site called eShop on the company's website, Penn Computing turned out to be one of the more notable technology flops, but the eShop site proved to be lucrative enough to attract attention of Microsoft, who brought the company. Soon after was Labor Day, and it was launch time, so the same idea stayed. The stock single-handedly revived the market for the IPO offerings. On the first day of trading, it was $18 a share. Just four months later, $300, it eclipsed thrilling investors and making this entrepreneur an instant billionaire, he had developed a business model that let eBay become profitable quickly, but still delivering what users regarded as good value. From 95 to 1999, and this is when the dollar was nothing what it is today, $2 billion worth of merchandise was moved on eBay. Some peculiar items I wanted to include, I found a 1998 Volkswagen Beetle, a Russian space shuttle, and a
1: human kidney. <laughs> Matt what do you take away from this entrepreneur's story? Um, I love Piero Minier. His his kids went to the same school as me because he lives in Hawaii. Um, but he just it just seems like he's so ahead of his time in terms of innovation and thinking. And I also I also love how much he gives back. He's a philanthropist. Um, but it's just wild that the stuff that he did in the nineteen like nineteen ninety five things that are things that seem so obvious today, but it was you know, things that people weren't doing at all back then is when, you know, the internet was first starting. So much props to him. That's why I had it on
0: thinking about now because you're from Hawaii. as was a Hawaii related entrepreneur. Why I had to have on the show. So thank <laughs> you for that analysis. Thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for showing our audience. You can never be too ambitious. If you see a need, take advantage of it. And of course, three companies, you name it. I'm very impressed, man. Thank you very much for giving all this insight to everyone And for checking Hawaii off my goals list. I'm a very ambitious person as well. One of my goals for this show, after I decided to go past one season, was hit all 50 states. Here we are, season 13, and I'm still nowhere near the end. So I'm looking forward to continuing this journey. Can you tell everybody where they can find you, where they can find your websites, how to say hello?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Matt underscore Kainoa, which is my middle name. Um, Moku Foods at Moku Foods on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, Matt Feldman. I love when you know people reach out. I'm happy to help anyone in their entrepreneur journey. Uh, I had many people help me, and I think it's important that people give back and help those that are just starting. So reach out whenever. I'm always happy to have a chat or you know help in any way. Thank you for being and, generous and, with that. Please. Oh, and MokuFoods.com. Sorry. You can find us, uh, our product on, uh, on MokuFoods.com. And how do you spell your website? Uh, M-O-K-U foods.com. Thank you for sharing that. And
0: Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show and joining our community of entrepreneurs. Stay on the lookout for more stuff from me and Matt. Also, be sure to check us out too. We are at That Entrepreneur Show on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. But on Twitter, because of the character limit, we are at Podcasts by Lancey, and you get updates from all four shows. I am at Vincent A. Lancey for all social media, my YouTube channel, and my website is vincentalancey.com. Let's end the show with a quote, and it is from the eBay founder, our spotlight entrepreneur. A lot of people don't just go ahead and try things. I couldn't agree more. You don't know if you could succeed until you try. Thank you for tuning in. And we will see you next week on That Entrepreneur Show.